Hello and welcome to Stereo Automotive's Cars of the Decade. It's been a bit of a break, but uh, we're back. We're back and we're still in the 60s. Uh, we're about halfway through now, so that's that's good. You've only got to deal with us all again before we're done. Uh, joining me today is uh, uh, Sean Smith, your host, that's me, uh, is with Christopher Strickland. Hello. Alistair Walker. Good day, humanoids. And Sam Green. Hello. Uh, Monty is not here today, um, but he did leave us a really good pick. Uh, which we're going to explain in detail later on. So thank you, Monty, for not turning up. Uh, <laughs> um, so, guys, the 60s, uh, we did the race cars last time. They were pretty good, I thought. I think so. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good decade, the 60s. It's an interesting one, isn't it? It starts for, it's the beginning of when cars actually become interesting. Yeah. It's kind of the more modern, you start to see things that are still being done now, if yeah. that makes sense. They stop looking like they're from the 30s, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the 60s. We're now going to do the road cars. So the cars for the people. Ha, 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 ha. Well, you know, some people, I suppose, with the cars that we picked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who would like to go first? Um, I'll go first. Okay. Sam, you have got your... How much do you want? You're seeing as four of us. Let's do ten, nine minutes. Okay. So there you go. Nine minutes yeah. plus a lap. Yeah, exactly. So uh, go ahead. What is your choice today, Sam? My my choice is the iconic Lamborghini Miura. The world's first soup is it a supercar? Or, yeah, I would I'd say supercar. Yeah, it's not quite so, a supercar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if hypercars could really exist in the sixties, but I guess this kind of would fulfil the gap that we would now call a hypercar. Well, it's um, all they do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But this is their first proper sort of sports car. Yeah. Now, the reason I say it's the first supercar is because, although it's not the first mid-engined car, because we saw that with things like um, Ferrari's cars at Le Mans, Ford's cars at Le Mans, mm -hmm. um, obviously... Cars, exactly, they're racing cars. The Mura was never really properly raced. It was a road car, but it was mid-engined. Um, now, I think it's, um, through all of my research, I can't find any proper mid-engined sports cars that came before it that weren't raced, and primarily race cars. So I'm going to say it's the first. Um, I think, it's it was... in journalistic <laughs> speaking, it's generally speaking referred to as the first modern supercar. Sort of. it's, it, it's, it's the formula that everyone else followed, so... Pretty much, yeah. And obviously, and it was, the Kunzash, and it was so much faster than everything else around it at the time. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It was the fastest production car in the world when it was released. Um, so that's another little claim to fame, little little thing for it. Um, it's just a very cool car. I've always wanted a Mura. That all I think adds to it as well is kind of that legend of Lamborghini. Well, I think the other thing, they were helped quite a lot in their marketing by its appearance in um, the Italian job at the beginning. Yes, mm. yeah. Which is, again, an iconic scene and which made everybody want a Lamborghini yeah, Miura. That I made everyone it's... scared of driving through tunnels. <laughs> yeah, but I think it sold the image of what a Lamborghini Miura was. Yeah, it was glamour. And who you mm. were, yeah, you was the glamorous car. And if you had it, you were the glamorous person. Exactly. I think it wasn't it was, a race car. It's also, it was very cool. It's just started the uh, the show with a slightly bitter relationship between Lamborghini and Ferrari. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, 
was I mean the Lamborghini of course before the Miura and you know their claim to fame ever since uh, of course were a tractor manufacturer. Yeah, I mean they weren't they still are by the way. Yeah, they are. Yes, but the the Lamborghini wasn't their first car. No. There was cars that came before it made by a Lamborghini, but it was their first proper sports car and it basically came about because of an argument with a man called Enzo um who I'm sure we don't need to bring his full name into it for uh, legal reasons. Uh, but uh, Mr. Ferrari basically yeah, good job there, Sam. <laughs> told, told um, Ferruccio Lamborghini when he when Ferruccio went to him and said, look, there's all these things that you could be doing better on your cars to make them more exciting. Um, and essentially Enzo told him where he could stick it mm. um, and told him to go back to making tractors. So, Lamborghini made his own car, uh, and that was the Mura, which is a nice little legend. We like a little story on Cars of the Decade. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's always seems to be, so far, that Enzo Ferrari's the bad guy. He's not the bad guy, <laughs> but he he's always seems to be. He's just, he's just a very, very headstrong Italian businessman. Um, but yeah. I, I think it was a very cool car. It was um, ah, interesting little thing as well from my notes. What this is a question for Alistair specifically. <laughs> what does the Lamborghini Miura have in common with the Morris Mini? I would guess something like its brake master cylinder. Ah, no. No. Headlights. Um, no, no, not at all. No, it's Great. basically... Hey, it's like actually... Cree, yes. Is he still there? Oh, Cree. Well, um... Mm, Don't cheat. Head. No. No. Uh, so you're all wrong. What? Are you mad? <laughs> On a V12 Lamborghini. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's... Um, I don't fucking know. It, uh, <laughs> the, uh, it shared... A casing for the gearbox and the engine. It was one casting. Really? At least I was fucking closer than the brain master <laughs> cylinder. Fucking hell. Yeah. I, I say, I, I'll give the Cree half a point, maybe. Thank you. Jesus Christ. I would say that. It's not actually one casting on the minis. Ah, uh, okay. It's... Well, it was, it's one, it's sort of one unit, though, isn't it? Yeah, the gearbox is built into the sump of the minis. Yes. Yeah, there's basically Lamborghini did the same. It was a transverse mid-engined V12 um, that was obviously in the back um, and yeah, shared lubrication for the gearbox and for the engine um, that was the very early ones, they did progress slightly um, but generally speaking the recipe for the Mura never really changed um, well didn't they have the SVR and then there was another one the SVR something else? Um, they had two special editions, or two further iterations of the Mura, didn't they? They had the S and the SV. Um, that was that, yeah. Yeah, and then there was there was later ones that were sort of more an homage to the Mura than uh, than anything else. They did make one called the Jota as well, uh, which looks more like a race car, but I don't actually think it was ever raced. So, also, did they ever race the Mura? I don't think so. I think a couple of people did, but yeah, maybe yeah, Lamborghini did not. Yeah, probably, no, I think they're in private hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, um, I was going to say, yeah. with, with, just with the Murad and its speed, I mean, we went from our cars of the 50s were pretty much all tiny, tiny cars. Um, before that, it was things like, you know, the Beetle and the Jeep and, you know, fast cars in the sense of, like, the Jaguar X120. Um, but compared to everything else on the road in the 60s, the Murad was, was rapid. Yeah, you know, I mean, imagine, imagine having one of those in your little whatever Ford was being made at the time, and all of a sudden you just yeah. hear, you hear this wailing supercar go flying past you. This 3.9 litre V12 engine. <laughs> it's mad. Ah, oh, what a car. What a car. Um, is, is it the best Lamborghini? Question mark. Oh, it's a good question. I think it's certainly top three. Anyone agree? Oh. The mirror being what, sorry? Uh, what? Is it the best Lamborghini? No. <laughs> no, it's not. the Countach, actually. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. I'm the commercial I go. Um, I, think, I think it's... Out, it, it, the length at which the commercial I go was in production for... The Diablo GT. Nearly 20 years, something like that? No, I, it's not. <laughs> I would definitely say... The top three is Mura, Diablo, Kuntash. Yes, I think the Mura started Lamborghini's madness. Yeah, she reputation for exotic sports cars. The Kuntash then solidified it. And the Diablo built on the, the groundwork. Bankrupt. <laughs> the, but that's, that's that's their job, Lamborghini, is to beat bankrupts. What to go back? Yeah. That's yeah. what they want to be fair, That's also how Italian car manufacturers work. Yeah, Maserati, case in point. <laughs> Lancia, and case in point. Lancia yeah. and Alfa Romeo. Just not Fiat. And... Well, their job is to be either bought by Fiat or be bankrupt, or both. Pretty much, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on. So, Italians, Italy's finest. Uh, oh, debatably. Um, well, we could have a battle for it. Yeah, go on. Let's, let's, let's do that now. So, Al, uh, what is your choice? So, I have another 60s mid-engined Italian sports car. The only problem is, unlike Sam's, this one is basically a race car. Go on. So, <laughs> I have the Alfa Romeo 33 Stradale. That really is like, nice. basically a race car, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is basically a rebodied and softened version of an Alpha Tipo 33-2. So the car was powered by a 2-litre V8 capable of 227 horsepower. Which that's not bad in the 60s. I was going to say for the capacity in general, that's quite a lot of power. Oh yeah, mate, yeah. think about F3 cars nowadays. Yeah, and that's capable of a top speed of 160, which I think probably places it behind the Miura. Yeah, it would have been, it's about 10 mile an hour slower than the Mura. But it did bad. apparently have the no. fastest standing kilometre time when it was launched in 1967. Probably because it was significantly lighter. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know what the Mura weighs. I know the Alpha was a 700 kilo car. It's quite a lot. Um, I'm just trying to find the actual figure. I found it earlier, but... Um, ah, curb weights. I've got um, basically 1.3 tons. For a V12. Holy! Though. How did it weigh that much in the 60s? It was Italian steel, obviously. Really it was basically. Yeah. I'll say they used the same materials they used to make the tractors. I think <laughs> it would appear so. But yeah, so where the Lamborghini was this 
new generation of road-going supercar, the the Alpha just seemed to be a fun side project for Auto Delta, based on the Tipo 33-2. Only 18 of them produced, but I think it's one of the best-looking cars of the 60s. It's stunning. It is yeah. stunning. It's what people. It's one. It's one of those alpha shapes that people think of. You know, when you think, yeah. think of beautiful alphas, you think of this sort of car. Uh, maybe the G, the Sprint. I think is it the GTA Sprint. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's the archetypal sort of coupe racer. Yeah. Hmm. and the Mito, of course. Obviously, the Mito. Love the Mito. I've I've owned one, you know. <laughs> Um, my uh, my Italian's not very good. Is it not? But stradale means road, doesn't it? Stradale, yeah. Yeah, so it means road going or. Yeah, yeah so basically it is. it is a Tipo 33 road. For the road, yes. yeah. Because <laughs> it's much like Ferrari have the challenge stradales. It's the cars that they. Yeah, the challenge they is to soften, drive on the road. <laughs> yeah, they soften them just enough to make it usable on the road. One yeah. thing it did kind of beat Lamborghini to the punch with those. One of their famous gimmicks for a while was those sort of scissor doors on the Lamborghini. Yes. They weren't exactly the same, but the 33 had sort of what it refers to as butterfly style doors. So they were hinged, much like the sports prototypes we saw in the 70s and the 80s, like that. Well, kind of the top corner, aren't they? So they sort of open. Yeah, to the top, top corner the car, but... and the sort of front corner of the actual door itself i think that was largely because that's how the tipo 33 race cars had their doors arranged (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i was gonna say i probably didn't have enough money to either to uh to change that i mean it is a significant departure in styling from the 33 race car it is now i quite like the 33 race cars i always have i do prefer the 70s variant but the 33 stradale is just jaw-droppingly beautiful in comparison mm. to its racing counterpart mm. takes all the good bits of its racing counterpart and makes it better this was in a film as well did you know that i did not actually ah. sit in it was in un bellissimo novembre that sounds like beautiful november <laughs> it's yeah that splendid november which no, came out it in means beautiful 19... november <laughs> No, I mean, no, I've just translated it. It does actually mean that splendid November. So it doesn't and mean it, that. It um, November. I just point out, it's that splendid November when the car's working, but when it doesn't work, <laughs> because it's not there, yeah, it's not that was, splendid November. Say, that's actually why, yeah, the main character had a 33 Stradol that was working, and was that's say, why it was, it, it was so beautiful. Is that the plot of the film, to get the car working in November? <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, tr- the trial um, and tribulation of him just in his garage going, eh, why are you not to work? I I give you petrol and I give you girls. What do you want? Violence, <laughs> um, New Zealand. <laughs> Entirely possible, knowing Alphas, are they? Yeah, um, side note, I do wonder. It'd be an interesting reliability battle between that and the um, <laughs> Lamborghini. Yeah. You can always do what most people do nowadays, and that's dot the thing and stick a battery and electric motor in there, and then you'll have oh, the no. design. The design of the Sardale, but then the reliability of electric motors. It just will not have any soul. That's the only problem. You don't want to lose... Yeah, they're fine for cars designed for them. You don't necessarily want to lose, on something like this, that 2 litre V8. That's all right. Just record the sound. Really uncommon configuration. True. 
Get a big, big, but big Bose speaker in the back. You'll be right. Anyway, <laughs> I think I've made my point on how the many of these were made. Uh, I've already said oh, eighteen. Oh, okay, so that's oh, so that's positively none compared to the yeah, huge so numbers that the Mura was built. Also, in. did not have door locks. Oh, ah, uh, so how many was stolen? much ground clearance? That's because it's a racing car. That's why <laughs> this version specifically didn't race. <laughs> no. Oh, no, but remember, Sam. We can't. Can have a door lock. We can't say that um, you know a low number is basically nothing when Chris had one, which was one. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a very good point. I mean, compared to Chris's, mine is like it's sold. Yeah, seven hundred and sixty-four mirrors were built in their. Uh... That's more than I'd mine. expected. That's more than but yeah. Yeah, between sixty-six and seventy-three. So, See, so if you buy the alpha, you're getting exclusivity as well. <laughs> very, very much so. Plus, even if you can't leave your wallet in it when you go into the casino in Monte Carlo, but no. to be honest, if you're going into the casino in Monte Carlo, you're probably going to need your wallet. I was going to say you probably also need a man to like lift you out of the car because it's so low. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the people that would drive this would be athletic enough to get in and out of it. Would they? Yeah, that's that's part of the buying process. Okay. It yeah, it's yeah. much like if you've ever, if anyone listening has ever driven an Alfa Romeo, pretty much any vintage, <laughs> they have an interesting way of dictating what footwear you wear, <laughs> which is the pedals are so blinking close together. If you don't wear either finely tailored Italian shoes or racing boots, then you will basically just press all three pedals in one go if uh, you wear no, trainers. No, no comment from my meter, no comment. Uh, I'm just, let's just say that I am very happy that I don't have to wear my steel toe cap boots while driving that car. <laughs> yeah, that just would not work, would no, it? Absolutely not, not when you're a size 12 feet. Um, any, I mean, for, pretty, for looks-wise, you've got to give it to Al so far. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll concede that. I will concede that. But and I equally, will concede the Lamborghini, and no one in the history of time will ever say this again. The Lamborghini is the more practical car of the team. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sentence that's never been said. <laughs> the Mura is practically an estate. It will probably never be said again. <laughs> no. um, let's move on to um, a car which... I forgot about, but actually, is a really is might be actually be the best choice here. Uh, Cree. Yeah. Um, what should it is the best choice. There's no maybe. There is no. Mm, we're not quite sure. It is literally the best choice. The, the most expensive car in Gran Turismo Four. Ready, steady, go. Uh, so yeah, my car is the 2000 GT, the Toyota 2000 GT. Although technically, it really should be called the Yamaha 2000 GT, but we'll ignore that. I thought that was just the engine. No, so apparently Yamaha started the whole ball rolling. So Yamaha wanted to build a sports car. And they went to various Japanese manufacturers to build this sports car because they couldn't do it themselves. Uh, and they all turned them down. So they went to Toyota and went, look what we've done. So it went, oh, that's very nice. Took it and then made their own. And so thus the 2000 GT was it, made. It's the precursor of the GT86. You know how my theme for all of these cars of the decade has always been... A1 Japanese, and B, like, the start of something big. So, like, previously it was to do the start of the Datsun program or the, the Z program and so on and so forth. Well, this one is the start of the Toyota sports program. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, no, basically, Toyota or Yamaha gave the design to Toyota and Toyota went, this is brilliant. 
but we, we want to design the styling for the vehicle. So what they did is they went and looked at the Jaguar E-Type and went, we'll have a bit of that, and then made it more Japanese, and it looks infinitely better in my opinion. How did we the straight the exhausts out of the back, the flip-up headlights at the front, the nice lovely wood interior on the inside, it just, oh, just perfect. It wasn't too quick, it was... A legitimate sports GT for the year for the well, era. Yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't very quick. Just tall, wasn't really. tall enough for James Bond. No, I was gonna get to that. That the they did make one prototype that was the convertible because they couldn't get Sean Connery in the car. I can't remember which film it was. Which film was it? No, but I know credit to Toyota. They wanted it in the film badly enough that they went and built him a convertible. You only live twice. The film, um, but now in fairness. I love the convertible. It's nice. I mean, it'd be it floppy very nice. as hell. It'd be floppy as hell, but it'd be <laughs> lovely. It's a stunning-looking car. Generally speaking, we've all picked very nice-looking cars until we get to short. I'd also like oh, to point it. out, mine is the most practical. Yeah, uh, Coupe uh, is most likely the most practical. Yeah, uh, I no, think I'll it does edge out the Lamborghini. I don't know, I don't know, maybe Monty's choice is a bit unpractical. Ah, uh, yeah, well, his is kind of a rogue. <laughs> uh, no, but my... My lovely Toyota had two engines, a two-liter um, double overhead cam inline six, and then a two-point-three-liter single overhead cam inline six. So why is that not called the two thousand three hundred GT? You tell me. I don't know. Um, but no, the the two-point-three liter was further down the line after production had started. Um, but it did produce less. Which kind of makes sense with it being a single overhead cam. I don't know why they would do that, though. Why would you make a a less powerful car further down the line? But we'll, well, we'll make still, still do that, though. Yeah, with the Supra. They do that with the Supra now, don't they? They have the nice Supra with the proper engine, and yeah. then you can get a four-cylinder one as well. Yeah, but you, this is like further down the line. It's not like at the same time. Like they did The original came out, or the, the first production car came with the double overhead cam version. And then further down the line, they went, oh, we'll just make a slightly bigger engine, but less powerful one, and we'll stick that in the car. Mm-hmm. I can really assume production problems made them choose the the bigger engine with the single overhead cam. But um, no, the, the, the two-litre had 150 brake horsepower, or PS, um, and the 2.3 had 140. They're not, not breaking any record books in that department, but, you know, still still out there. So it's an number. It's nice, yeah. What gets me is it had a three-speed automatic at one point, which I don't know why you would ever want that. That's very no, that's, that to be fair, that's very of its time. I've driven a three-speed automatic that's much newer than that, and it was pretty poor, but it did the job. Mm. I was going to say, I can't think of anything I want to drive less than a three-speed automatic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I the five-speed every single day. Oh, yeah, the manual of that car is the one you want. Let's face it, you don't want yeah. the automatic, but... But, yeah. yeah. Have you seen, uh, have you seen the, uh, the Toyota Sports 800, though? Yeah. That's, yeah it's, it's really weird, because they clearly got the same designer for the Sports 800 to design well, I was, I was gonna the say, GT, because it's essentially a bigger version. So, the Sports 800 is, honey, I shrunk the 2000 GT. <laughs> I think the 2000 GT came after it as well. Though. So, and they just went, oh, that's nice. We'll just make it bigger. Put an engine in the front of it. Make it a Sports GT and then sell it. Jill done, Bottom. yeah. Yeah. But that was the idea that Toyota had. Is they, they had Everybody was making these Halo sports cars, like they are nowadays. Hmm. Um, and they didn't have one other than the Sports 800. And they went, well, that's a K car, essentially. 
Mm. So we need something that's that's going to be like our Halo car. This is where the 2000 yeah, GT came from. K cars don't exactly fight. Uh, strike fear into the hearts of your rivals. You look at them well, I don't know. more in the way you look at a cute puppy. I don't know if they ever. Exactly. If, if Japanese people Sorry. drive them like the French drive uh, Renault Twingos, I'd be pretty scared. I can, I can inform you they don't. Oh, well, they should. Do you know what I also found out? Oh, that isn't actually listed in the Wikipedia page. Um, is there is an electric version of the 1000 GT? Really? Yeah, in Toyota's in, in Toyota's in museum. No, 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 not in period, obviously. Oh, at some point, I think it was to celebrate the 2000 GT. For some reason, Toyota desired, decided to strip out the engine and fill it full of electric components, and then made an electric version, which is currently sat in the Toyota Car Museum. What? Because no one buy it. No, because it's a prototype, and they probably don't want to sell it. But yeah, no, I, I, I've seen the car, and it's you just think, oh, that's lovely, and then you look underneath, and there's just a big square black box, and you're like, oh, that's not meant to be there. Yeah, um, but it means the insurance premiums are really high. Yeah, it probably would, actually. <laughs> um, it had a sort of successful racing career. Did it? In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did but, it, um, it did, it, it won the... Uh, Suzuka 1000 kilometers in 1966. Didn't it also have some success in the Sports Car Club of America Championship? It did. Yeah, Carol said... Sh- the Carroll Shelby bought three and then raced them. God, he must That's have quite Because tell me how much these things are worth, Gray. Well, as of last year, $56,000 when they were brand new. Which doesn't sound a lot, but nowadays they go for over a million pounds. More than that, mate. Or is it more than that? I thought it was over, just over it's a million. Like 1.3. Last time I did, I did, I said just over a million. Oh yeah, just another three hundred thousand pounds on top of it. <laughs> yeah. By the point you're spending that much, that is just over a million. <laughs> <laughs> if you can afford a million pounds, one point three is a bit of a drop in the ocean. Oh well. Uh, yeah. it's just- it's just another Ferrari four eight eight on top, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or a house in the south. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, not, in the north. Not, not a big house, by the way, in the south. But it did earn thirteen FIA world records for speed and endurance in a seventy-two hour. Yeah, was one of test. them the fastest Japanese car? Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Probably was. But, um, but I think it's just. It's interesting that in the year, in that sort of five years at which it was in production, because it went, it ran from 1965 to 1970. Um, Toyota did put its weight behind the project. It didn't just sort of make it and go, ta-da, and then just ignore it. They did genuinely think, well, we've got something here. Let's keep going with it. It's just a shame that was it. Like, once the car production had finished in 1970, they didn't really do anything for, like, quite a while in terms of these nice, lovely sports GTs, which was a shame. Some would say the Supra is the, the Lexus LFA, maybe, but... Yeah, that's, we're talking like well, I mean, Lexus, know, Lexus 40 years down the line. I suppose Lexus didn't exist back then, obviously. So it was. I don't they, think it did. They no. sort of filled the gap um, of the prestige market. So that's where you know the the modern Lexus uh, is it the SC, the current one. Uh, the one that uh, it looks like a modern F- LFA. The yeah, RCF. Right. That's the one. The RCF oh, is like the sports yeah, saloon. Yeah, uh, that's sort of the modern equivalent, I suppose. But, uh... Do you know what? Also, for those who um, played Gran Turismo, specifically Gran Turismo A-Spec and Gran Turismo 4, 
Um, the Toyota 2000 GT was the predecessor for Toyota's entry into Group 7, and thus the Toyota 7 race car. Ah, that's a good fact. Yeah. Right, my go. Yeah, which is mad because it had the massive turbo on the back. <sighs> that's good, Craig. Good choice. I like it. Thank you. It is the best car of the decade. I don't care what anybody says. Well, <laughs> it's the best car ever, in my well, opinion. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about your cars, you know, good looks and sex appeal and all that stuff, Cree. It had James Bond driving one of them. Yeah, Which one of your cars has had James Bond? Your car didn't have Emma Peel in it. And that would have been the Lotus Elan from 1961. Oh, I want to say 1. No, you're wrong. 63. No, you're wrong again. 62. Yeah, yes. well done. Fair time lucky. There we go. Fair in the end. You did actually <laughs> research this car, didn't you, Sean? <laughs> you don't know when it went into production. I don't, all I know and all, I, all anyone needs to know, really, is that Emma Peel from the Avengers used to drive one. And that makes it awesome. Job done. I mean, you're wrong. The Lotus Elan. Let's talk about Little Lotus. Might have Sean Connery as James Bond driving a convertible okay. version would, of Toyota made as a one-off. You, do you want to make out with Sean Connery? I mean, his voice is very nice, but no, I don't. <laughs> well, no. There you go. Emma to Peel. be fair, at least with Sean's car, they didn't have to make a specific prototype for you <laughs> to take the roof off. No. No, that's true. I mean, mine was just a normal car. They just... Shape the roof. Top of yeah. it's, it's not a Lotus Elan though. Lotus Elans are cool. Also, my car is way cheaper than all of yours. Yeah, there is that as well. Uh, so, yeah. so okay, I, I, I probably reckon Mike, just the first generation of the Lotus Elan produced more than all three of yours combined. I'm at 337. Apparently, yeah, certainly we're at just over a thousand. I think. Right. So yeah, by by a long way. I don't know the number, but it's it's, it's bigger than that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did you know that the 90s version of the Lotus Elan was bought by Kia, and Kia sold it as a Kia Elan? Really? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, they I did, did know that. Right? Yeah, but yeah, we're, not, we're, not, we're not talking about that one, which uh, my mate Sean Colson's dad used to own. Uh, we're, we're on. We're on about the. Uh, the so, okay, so what's, what's the lowest weight we've had so far? Because uh, here I've got uh, seven hundred kilos, I think, from the Alpha. Okay. Ooh, mine's heavy, eleven hundred kilos. Okay, I can be that easily. The Series One Lotus Elan, six hundred and forty kilograms. Wow! Isn't it is fiberglass bodied? Probably. Wow, it's yeah. been blown away it? in the I, wind. I That's... genuinely can't remember for the Elans, to be fair. It's 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 a tiny car. It's a tiny car for tough for petite women. <laughs> um. I don't know. It's, what can I say about that? So let's let's talk about Lotus. What well, is different Lotus in general? Because Lotus, as we all know, are the best when it comes to small cars with good handling. Um, I, I beg to differ. They are the they are the name, especially back then. They are the name which. Catron. Catron. Sorry. You say Catron? Did you say? I did say Catron. Yeah. They're Lotuses. Oh, yeah. So you know what the what the case room is, don't you? I know, but still. It's not as good as I would, In terms of like lightweight sport cars, Catrum yeah, is where I would say. Catrum is a continuation and an imitation of the Lotus. I would agree it's an imitation, and you know what they say about imitations. But now, in this day and age, considering how heavy Lotuses okay, are now. Back yeah, but I'd still rather have a Lotus now than a Cape. Wrong, fine. Yeah, back <laughs> to the 60s. <laughs> back when Lotus was actually making 7s. Actually, they might have stopped <laughs> they probably, by that they point, probably stopped. But... Uh, but let's see, the 
Type 1 Lotus Elan. So, little sports car, convertible, basically made like all Lotuses and all Ferraris at the time to fund some racing projects. Um, yeah, that's cool. It's got a little tiny engine, little 1.5 litre, four cylinder, twin cam engine, producing, get this guys, 105 horsepower. So it's wow. got the least brake horsepower in the Oh, group. by far. But, it's, but, it gets, but, it but it gets more. It does than have that. the lowest weight, to be fair. It does. So, power to weight, it's still a lot lower than your cars. Uh, <laughs> but that's. Ooh. Okay, the most, the most powerful version. You guys, ready for this? 113 brake horsepower. Wow. At 6,500 RPM. I'm pretty certain that a Persia 106 can get that if you tune it enough. <laughs> Almost certainly. But that's not a problem. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really got any points apart from no, the fact I've appealed a bit. <laughs> the Lotus, the Lotus Elan was a lovely looking car as well in its defence. It was genuinely a nice looking car. Yeah, it's a pretty car. It's one of those. It's an archetypal British small sports car. I think it stands alongside things like the MGB. I'd say is yeah, the cars people remember as the British sports car. Well, I'll put it this way. It, it, of course, got copied eventually by uh, Mazda, more or less. Yes. Pretty Who much. a better British sports car. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly more reliable, <laughs> I give them that. <laughs> um, yeah. I've got two interesting facts about the Lotus Land. Do you want to hear them? Yes. We do. The first one, the first one is that it was technically a kit car, so that Lotus didn't have to pay as much tax on it. <laughs> classic, classic Chapman, right there. So, so either you could put the engine and stuff in yourself or you could ask the factory to do it for you but it's still a kit car nice so less tax on that which means the price is cheaper obviously which means it's more affordable for everybody and then more people can have lotuses and then more lotuses can go race car exactly yes, also which the land did as well to be fair quite yeah. quite a lot actually you still see a lot of them in classic gt racing the other thing, um, what have you all heard of the Black and Decker workmate? You mean the workbench table? It's like yeah, folding up workbench. It, yeah, my dad had one. Yes, yeah, so does mine. Yeah, everyone just... has one. You, your they... dad's not a dad unless he's got one. My dad has exactly. one. Exactly. 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 There you go. Yeah, they uh, they share a designer. Really. Is it Lars Chapman by any chance? No, genuinely, the, the designer of the Lotus Elan, Ron Hickman, before he designed the Lotus Elan, designed the Black and Decker Workmate. That's not a. Wow. That's not exactly a, a, a. I don't know. That's a great claim to fame. Oh, it, 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 it is. But it's. But think, <laughs> think of Colin Chapman going. Oh yeah, I like what you've done with that. Make me a car. I mean, it's quite a <laughs> career jump, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> from a folding workbench to a car. Also, you couldn't really get more different in terms of the like angleness of a Black and Decker workbench thingy um, to compare to the Lotus Elan, which is all radiuses. But you know what, though? When you stop and think about it, they actually share quite a few characteristics. Don't say because it's a convertible. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> what I meant I mean, that is, a good... is it's made of thin metal and wood. It yep. folds up, so it's convenient. It's a small thing. Can the Black and Decker and do 0 to 60 in 9 seconds? Or less? I, it can if you... if you put it in the Lotus. <laughs> yeah, and it would fit in the Lotus because it can fold up. I'd also like to point out, if you put both of them outside long enough, 
They'll rot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, to, to be fair to the Lotus, it's got a fiberglass body, so that bit will stay behind for thousands ah, of but years. Ah, but you're a No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, no, that's where the folding part of the Lotus Elan comes in, is when you leave it out long enough, the it chassis... Folds itself in half, yeah. Yeah, yeah but then, then it's just a, a chassis for a project car. And then you can just <laughs> bolt in some new bits into it. They're just, you know, it just magically. It's, it's the like. Black and black. Yeah. yeah the, <laughs> the chassis for the Lotus Elan, actually, in fairness, is a, it's an interesting shape thing. It's this kind of. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it. it it's weirdly skinny, and then the fiberglass bits just kind of plonked on it. It's Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the. the it's essentially like the opposite of a tub chassis. It does only weigh it's... 80. Sorry, 40 kilos, the chassis. Blimey! I'm not it? surprised in the slightest. It's that's like yeah. a third of you, Sean. Uh, yeah. Well, the engine weighs 118 kilos. Your uh, engine. Yeah, I'm, I I'm think engine. it's quite a pretty chassis, and that's. that's Was the Europa based on the Lotus Elan chassis? I doubt it. The what? Sorry. The Europa was Europa. way bigger. Yeah, it Europa wasn't was much bigger. bigger. Was it? Yeah, it was quite a bit. Although bigger. there was a bigger land, there was an land two plus two. Really? What? Really? How? <laughs> yeah, uh, have you never seen this car? No. No. So, I think they called it the land plus two, but it was a two plus two format. It kind of looked like someone stretched an land and let it soften with some heat. Oh. Cool. It's not a bad looking ah. car, but yeah, the Elan's definitely the better looking of the two. Anyway. You know what? what? Oh no, I misread it. I was about to say, you know what? That's the one that they drove in the Avengers, but I misread it. It's fine. Ignore me. No, I think which, they did have a, which a normal Elan. The Avengers as the in Emma Peel. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a convertible one. It's a proper, proper two-seater one. Yeah. That's why it's the car of the decade. Also referred to by the Beatles, apparently. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I don't like the Beatles, but anyway. Um, so let's. So yeah, so my car's the cheapest, but that that's going to take get taken away from it straight away because um, of Monty's choice. Monty, of course, is not here today because um, I don't know he's busy sim racing or whatever. Um, let's talk about his car, which we we uh, chose for him because we gave him the brief. You know, sixties road cars. Give just give us a choice and say what you want it. So um, he didn't do that. So we guessed for him because we know Monty. We've known him for what seven years or now. So now, yep, we knew what he'd want. Yeah. So um, we, we he he chose the Citroen Ami. Yeah, very on interesting choice. I yeah. wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, uh, it makes sense because he's you know he's from Jersey, so he's basically French. Yep, exactly. Um, now the Citroen Ami basically was the follow-up. From the highly successful downhill, 2CV. Downhill box card. Oh, wait, no. Okay. No, 2CV, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I was nicknamed, very clever, this nickname, the 3CV. Ooh. That, I, it's I, good, I, isn't it? It does I also seem to share a bit of its styling around the back window with a Ford Anglia. Yes, it does, that's yeah. Not, I, that's not really something to shout about, is it? No. It came with two engine options. What? What with ours and with? 
No, no. There's actually genuinely two options. You could have a 602 cc oh, two cylinder. I thought you were going to say horsepower. Oh. No, 602 cc two cylinder engine. Or you can have the super, which is one liter and four cylinders. Wow. And uh, a two stroke or a four stroke. I would imagine that the four-cylinder is at least a four-stroke. I don't actually know about really two-cylinder. Ho- I really hope it is. Um, it is air-cooled, <laughs> like the two CV was. The Chevrolet. Um, yeah. The Chevrolet. Um, I mean, I'll give it its credit. It When you look at it, it looks like it's moving, even though it isn't, which <laughs> they probably had to do because it only moved. What is the top speed of it? Not um we, uh, the the earliest one, which is the that was the six hundred and two cc flat. Oh, it was a flat two. It was a boxer engine. <laughs> Actually, I do um, remember. Isn't the two CV engine some really weird configuration? Uh, yeah, it is. But basically, this this had twenty two brake horsepower at four and a half thousand RPM. Um, didn't manage to do sixty five miles an hour with that twenty two horsepower. The I, I, say, I don't know how long it took. It doesn't say how long it took, it but apparently there. it did. Yeah. We Weirdly should assume though. about the same length of this podcast. So if you're driving a 1966 <laughs> congratulations on reaching 60 miles an hour. No, it does say, Sam, just above uh, on Wikipedia. It says uh, it could accelerate from 0 to 50. They obviously got bored by it by then. Um, in 30.3 seconds. Wow. Although, to its, to its credit... To its credit, it costs eight hundred and twenty-three pounds, brand new. What's that nowadays? Eight hundred and twenty-two pounds too many. Eight <laughs> <laughs> hundred. This is this is maths, people. Eight hundred and twenty-three pounds uh, in nineteen sixty today. Yeah. Okay. Uh, inflation calculator. Here we go. Yep. Proper podcasting. Oh my here. god! Right. So this is more than a Dacia Sandero. Oh, so it's not that cheap. Then. Seven thousand two hundred forty-two pounds and twenty-three pence. Okay, it's, it's pretty poor value as well, then. To be totally honest. Now, of course, this, um, this car's probably most famous for for murdering half of the French population. Because uh, or yes, fourteen-year-olds yeah. are allowed to drive it without a license. Is that just because it has such a small engine that it technically counts yeah, as like it's it a, quad- a, it's a, a weird yeah. rule? It's like a quadricycle. It was a bike, stupid, technically, yeah. yeah. It was technically a motorbike. They did make a sport version. Did they? Did they that? did, yeah. Right. It was called the M35. And you are you ready for this, Cree? You're going to like this. What? This had a single rotor, rotary engine. Whoa. Where did they steal that from? Because the French no definitely idea. didn't invent it. So I have no idea where it came from, but it has still had hydrogen pneumatic suspension. Is it a so rotary or is it a handle? No, it is jet. Well, it may well be, but it had 49 brake horsepower, which is. Oh. We're taking it off the Germans. That's a lot. So, That's a lot of <laughs> so it has 49 brake horsepower, so you need 49 litres to make it run. Yeah. <laughs> 89 miles an hour, that managed. Jeez. Bollocks did it. That's actually pretty. No, actually, no. I'll give them credit for that one. That's actually pretty damn good. I mean, it looks horrific, but... <laughs> Apparently the fuel consumption is 53 miles to gallon. I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad, that's not bad by modern standards. Yeah, but you ha- imagine having to travel 53 miles in that thing. Well, to get your one litre of fuel? Yeah. Get, well, gallon. Gallon, yeah. 
That's okay. To burn a litre, you need to drive about 20 miles. The thing I um, perhaps dislike the most about this I was is about to say. <laughs> I was about to say, dislike, and then you pause. I was like, like you, you better say more more than just dislike. <laughs> There's a lot to dislike about this car. Uh, no, the thing I dislike most is its suspension system. Why? Because it uses the hydroelastic its suspension, um, which, for those who aren't aware, is essentially a bit like um, having two slightly deflated balloons, one at the front axle and one at the rear axle. Um, and it's not great at all. Isn't that what rappers used in their Cadillacs in like the year two thousand? Oh no, that's 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 hydraulics and air ride. That's different. Basically to the this. same thing, though. Makes it all floppy. I mean, pretty pretty much. But um, no, because at least those systems normally work. For five yes, minutes. exactly. Yeah, they're very very expensive, so they do work. This is very expensive, but it still doesn't work. <laughs> um, have, have any of you ever driven a hydroelastic suspension car? No, I have. <laughs> Is it very? I bad? have owned. I have owned. Oh, one. your Rover. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Rover had hydroelastic suspension, and for those of you who went in that, you'll remember how comedic the handling was on that. Remind me, Sam. Uh, what was the uh, NCAP score for your Rover 100? It was zero. Uh, well, yeah, you sort of um, ruined that because it was one star, but then it got revised down to zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first car I had to, to do that actually. Yeah, I had to pay. To have my hydroelastic suspension topped up, um, with what? because with whatever fluid or Honey. gas it uses, yeah, you um, have to have both hydro and elastic added. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They just put a load of rubber bands in it and filled it with water. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, considering how much the car cost, the car was about one hundred and fifty pounds. Not worth it to have this topped up was like 90 pounds yeah. it was really just not not worth it because no one does it anymore because no one has these cars anymore <laughs> so it took me like a week to find a bloke online who could do it and then he just yeah which is I, another reason not to buy the citroen me yes yeah or um, I'm not, or rove 100 but we'll come on to that in the 90s <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah good choice monty um well done, Monty. Yeah, so Good job. That's a point of Citroen. There. That's, that's, oh, I didn't think of that. Uh, that's going to do oh. it for this episode of Cars of the Decade. And indeed, that's going to do oh, it for hang this. On. Hang on. What? We're going to decide which car was the best car of the decade. Oh, yeah. Oh, mine, obviously. Clearly, the, it's clearly the Miura. The answer. It's not. It's the, the 2000 GT. No, no, it's it not. It is clearly the 2000 GT. I like my Alpha. I'm going to side with the Lotus Elan and that's going to do it with oh. <laughs> this no no it's, I reckon the best car is the 2000 GT Thank oh you. well it's outvoted now it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's democracy people um I've never liked what if we what if we quantified it by how many countries the car was built in um why no because the Citroen Ami was no. built in France, <laughs> <I'm> the... <laughs> Spain, Argentina, Yugoslavia, and Portugal. Well, in that, in that case, Sam, with that kind of, of uh, thing going for it, the Citroen Ami is the car <laughs> of the 1960s, the car for the people, and indeed the car of the people. Um, joining the Do likes. Do you see what you've done, Sam? Do you see what you've I done? I hope you're happy, Sam. And on that bombshell, it's time to end <laughs> this episode of Cars of the Decade. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to Sam, Cree, and Al for joining me. 
anytime. All right, any day. And next time, of course, is the 1970s race cars. We got some doozies in for that one. I say, this is a good one. This is going to be a very good so one. Make sure you like. join us for that. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Take care and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. All. Bye.